0: Welcome to Under the Radar, a show about independent iOS app development. I'm Marco Arment. And I'm David Smith. Under the Radar is never longer than 30 minutes, so let's get started.
1: So today, uh, we wanted to talk a little bit about testing, about that process we go through towards the end of developing something where we try and take it from mostly working to actually working or fully working. Um, and this is particularly relevant and interesting for me at this point, because I am in that very final of phases for my next app, um, the one we talked about a little bit about last week, um, that I'm in the phase now where functionally and, you know, from a feature perspective, I've kind of drawn the line and said, this is the app, this is as far as I'm going to go with it. Any other features or any other things that come up are per- going to be in the next version, you know, version 1.1, or I'll push it down the road. All I'm now, g- now going to be doing is fixing bugs, and testing, and finding all the little issues and problems. And it seemed like something that would be an interesting topic to kind of walk through, uh, because ultimately the goal is to make sure that we ship things that are, you know, quality, are not, um, you know, riddled with bugs, or having all kinds of problems. And it's a, a tricky thing, I think, especially from an indie perspective. And I think we're def- it's probably fair to say, but I'm definitely talking about this from the Uh, The more of the indie perspective rather than, you know, if you are in a large corporate environment where your app is being worked on by lots of different people, you may actually have an entire like QA department whose job it is to test your application. Like I used to win a job I used to work at, um, you know, they had there's a room full of probably like 20 people who all day just sat there using the product. Um, testing it, trying all the crazy edges and they had these big test plans that they had to go through before we did a build and like that is a very different world than I think either of us work in and so we're not talking about that kind of testing like that is a a discipline unto itself it is useful and important but for an independent I think that's just not the reality both from um, like a resources perspective like I don't have the time um, to realistically do that, you know, to do 20 people times 40 hours uh, a week of testing. Like, that's just impossible. And also, I'm not sure if it's necessary. Um, and some of this is coming into, like, a lot of... There's a certain category of bug that um, I'm less worried about. This is sort of the in more, like, the integration bug rather than the, like, functional bug, where sometimes you just have bugs that come up because you had five people working on a product and... There's, you know, one person changed something here, someone else changed it over there, and obviously myself in different time domains is different. Like I can be, you know, like two weeks ago me and my current me can be conflicting, but that happens less often. But either way, like being independent, it's still something that I have to do, and it's a process that I go through um, now, and it seems like kind of a good thing to walk through. Um, But I don't do it in a formal way. Uh, Marco, do you do it any kind of formal testing or processes that you have around? putting something out or do you just kind of try it out a bunch and see if it works
0: um i mostly just try out a bunch i mean and so so we should clarify also that uh test-driven development is not what we're really talking about um neither of us really do that Uh, we've talked about it briefly before and i don't think either of us really has a strong opinion on it uh except just to say that we don't do it um, mostly as a choice because of our our resources and our style of coding um, of you know just being single person shops it, it makes it harder to justify the the additional amount of time it takes to write all the tests and te- for test driven development uh, so that's not what we're talking about here uh, today at least um, so yeah so when it comes to whatever testing people would call what we used to call testing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so so yeah just like you or other people like actually just using your app and trying out all, all the different things uh you know trying to try you know testing out edge cases you know the things that a good tester or qa person would do uh that is that's what we're talking about today and so my answer to that is generally i i mostly rely on my own usage and the re, and reports from beta testers in order to um, to do this and this has pluses and minuses. I mean, obviously, it, it, this is a less disciplined approach than having like a formal unit testing process, a formal U, a UI testing process, uh, having dedicated testing people or services. I, I, I should look more into those things. I haven't to date and and it mostly has not caused problems. There's and, and part of this is because of the way I developed the app in the first place. I mean, step number one is I only make apps that I use. Uh, if you are making an app that you don't use yourself on a regular basis, and there are lots of reasons why you might want to do this. You know, if, if you're a consultant, obviously, that's a big one. Uh, but, you know, so lots of people have these needs if that's the kind of need that that you're working with where you don't use the app i really don't know what to tell you i, I think things like unit testing make more sense there or having having like dedicated uh, qa people or services that you can hire to do that um but because i use the app myself and and i also tend to only implement features that i will use and and this is not I, I don't do that 100% of the time. Like There are certain features, like in my nitpicky details feature about the showing the number of unplayed uh, unplayed episodes as, as a red badge on the icon of the app. I think you can tell by the description text in that interface that I don't want to use this feature. Uh, but enough people requested it, and it was a small enough feature. I mean, that feature is something like four lines of code. It's, it's, it's a very, very, very tiny little feature. And it satisfied large user demand, A lot of people requested that feature always before I added it. Um, And so it satisfied a large user demand. It was not that much work to do. And it's very easy for me to test every so often, even though I don't use it myself. So that's something I added anyway, despite not using it myself. But otherwise, I try not to add features that I won't use myself very often, if at all, in part because I don't care. And in part because it makes it harder for me to maintain the quality of the app because I won't see problems in day-to-day testing. Like one of the one of the issues that, that I faced recently is I have a pretty severe CarPlay bug in in the most recent build, and and I'm working on fixing that. I, I, sh- I should have it for the next one, but I don't have a CarPlay vehicle. We don't own a CarPlay vehicle in our household, and we actually are about to get one in in about a month, and that'll probably help. Although it won't be my car, which is unfortunate, but <laughs> it's, at least my wife will have one, so I will have hardware to test on sometimes. But like CarPlay is this whole area of the app that I never see because I don't drive a car that's CarPlay yeah. enabled. And so there there are going to be all these different areas where my own day to day usage is not going to cover it uh, or is not going to reveal subtle problems at least and so for those kind of uses, I really just rely on beta testers and reports from users um, hopefully you know hopefully it's before I release these versions that have these that have problems but um you know sometimes sometimes they get out there and so in order to in order to minimize the damage, I do try to at least like at least cover the the biggest most common uses of the app in my own formal or informal testing so for example when i'm releasing a big version i will almost always if i remember to which isn't always the case which is a problem but i should probably this is again this is like one of the reasons why it might be useful to have like a checklist or, or something but uh or you know a more formal structure of doing these things or an automated way of doing these things but one of the things i, I do in my app is uh to, to basically start fresh, start from a brand new user uh, every time I do a release. So like, take a device that, that doesn't have the app on it, install a fresh version of the app, and then try creating a new account and starting all over again. And this helps on, for a number of reasons. Obviously, that's a very important thing for your app to make sure it works at all. And then secondly, it shows me the onboarding experience. It shows me the first run experience. Uh, a lot like I, I see that whenever I whenever I do a release, I, I will see the first run experience at, at least once during that process. So that kind of helps remind me of any shortcomings in it or it helps, you know, it helps show me if anything's broken about it or if, if things aren't quite right. You know, it's, so that's nice, you know, in that way as well. But this is all a very long way of saying basically the way I do testing is I just use the app a lot myself before I let anybody else use it. And then when it gets close to release, I do beta tests. Um, and, and I can talk a little bit more about that maybe maybe a little bit later. But uh, the, the beta tests I, I use tend to find almost any other remaining problems.
1: Yeah. And I think it's too – it's important to say like I, – I mean I think my testing strategy is very similar to yours. It's the – I use the app a lot and I try and sort of use it um, – like as I get closer, I tend to kind of use it slightly in anger. Like I, I use it in a way that is kind of <laughs> trying to break it. Like I'm bashing on all the buttons and like what if I change this setting really quickly back and forth, back and forth. Like is anything weird gonna happen? Like you can kind of use it in that way. Um and then yeah, like you said, it's that kind of testing where and honestly what I usually do is for the like trying out a new user um testing. It's the you know, I, t- I currently use an iPhone seven, that's the phone that I use like during development, like 98% of my development happens on that phone. And so before I launch, I need to you know, at the very least run it um, on like a 5S and on a seven plus um, just in terms of to make sure that there's not any weird UI bugs or issues um, or sometimes even just weird. I mean, there's performance things obviously going, if you go back to like a five or a five S uh, they're much slower. And so that's, a, I find a great place to do the kind of onboard onboard testing uh, because you know I'm starting fresh on those devices half the time anyway um, but I will also say one thing that has bitten me many many times in the past and so now I always try and make sure I do too is I do the fresh user onboarding experience process but I do that running the old version of the app um, like the existing like I go to the app store and download whatever this is whatever the current version of the app is from the app store onboard a fresh user and then install the The version that I'm trying to um, verify and test with. Nice, because often what I've found is there's issues that you can run into that like the you know it's usually it's a data issue or a settings issue or something that isn't being translated over correctly, Um, and obviously the majority of your users are going to be are, are like are coming from that previous version and then running your new version, and so if there's any issues there, you want to catch them. But that kind of this kind of approach of just Taking a lot of devices, like on my desk, I have a bunch of different, you know, all the different iPhones. Like, I, I never sell an iPhone whenever I uh, get a new one, and so I have all the all the different um, testing devices available to me. That way, you know, similarly, like right now, I'm wearing two Apple Watches. I have a a 38 millimeter Apple Watch on my right hand and a 42 millimeter Apple Watch on my left hand, and they're paired to separate phones running seven sizes. And I'm just running the app that I'm testing constantly now. Like, I just. Keep keep this process of kind of banging up against it, um, and if in general, I think like you said, it's it's you'll it's amazing how good much how good the coverage you can get from a, that kind of a informal but um, like constant high volume testing. Like maybe it's not as rigorous, and so it loses something there. But it definitely benefits from just doing it all the time. And if you build apps that you use, you know you, you certainly have that benefit um, at the very least of
0: exposure to it. Yeah, I mean one other note on the uh, devices before I forget. Uh, App review does not seem to test much, if at all, on a variety of devices. As far as I can tell, they test on one device only, and usually it's a recent one. So, as far as I can tell, so like a lot of times people people will have issues where like they'll get an update into the store approved that like crashes on launch on the iphone 5s or something like that right because it's like an older device that is still supported and then it still runs on and that your customers might still use but it doesn't work for you know And and app review didn't catch it you know And, and so there's you can't depend on app review to catch like the big obvious crashers because if it happens on anything, any conditions that they're not trying, including any other device besides whatever one they happen to be using, uh, you're not going to have a good time. Uh, so that's that's very, very important to note. Yeah, and it's also probably worth saying that AppReview is not
1: QA. Like, AppReview is this very, like, coarse sieve that every now and then will catch problems. And I love it when they do this. But, like, they're, they're, that is not at all what they're doing. They're not really looking to test your app to find problems. They're kind of running it through at a very different level. And so I would not, it certainly isn't one of those like, well, I'll just see if app review can find any bugs. And if they don't, then I'm <laughs> sure it's fine. Like that is a, ter- that would be a terrible approach um, to, to take to your, with your
0: app. Yeah. It's kind of, it's like the seatbelt on a plane. It's like, that's, <laughs> that is not the safety mechanism you should be relying on. <laughs> you should definitely like it. Basically if, if app review rejects your app for a crash, you have a serious problem in your QA process. It, like whatever you submit to AB Review should not be in that kind of state where it would crash in like the first four minutes of somebody using it once, you know. Uh, but you know, overall, like, and and I should also you know suggest too that if you are going to rely so heavily as we do on self testing, basically, and again, I. I do I apologize greatly to people who enjoy formal testing and automated testing and unit testing and and 100% test coverage. I apologize because this this entire discussion must be driving you totally crazy. Hi Casey. But ultimately it's hard for single person developers to really justify the additional time and or expense that more rigorous testing methods bring on for things like this so now that's a lot of qualifiers in that sentence obviously if you have a larger staff if you have a lot of money if your app is more important than than like you know then then you know like a, a sleep tracker for your wrist or for the, a podcast player like if you're at, if, if really bad things happen if you like lose people's important data or you know somebody will be seriously put out or hurt if your app breaks obviously that's a place where you need a more formal testing procedure and and framework in place uh, but most people who make iOS apps aren't working in that kind of capacity uh, and and not only don't have those resources but it would actually be be kind of a bad way to spend resources basically like tripling all of your work. And this is a huge debate in programmer circles of whether test-driven development is really more work or whether it ends up saving you more work in the long run. I honestly don't care w- which one of those it is. I think it's probably unknowable because <laughs> it's probably like the answer for like everything else is probably it depends. But uh, But ultimately... This isn't the way we do things, and and I think there's a lot of developers out there who who do things more like what we do. Anyway, that being said, uh, one more thing before I go into the sponsor for the week, and that is that if you're relying so much on on self testing as we do, um, if your app has like you know different modes or settings or 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 ways you can do things, change it up. Like in your in your day to day usage, change it up every so often, and spend a lot of time in each kind of condition. So, for instance, Overcast has dark mode or light mode, and during development. I usually switch about once a week between which one of those I'm using uh, because I want to kind of get used to it and live in it and make sure that I'm that I'm designing and making the best app I can for both of those things. Same thing with streaming versus downloading like, you know, I wrote this whole streaming engine. And I hardly ever use it and that's kind of a problem. So <laughs> basically, I, I force myself to change my own preference uh, and, and spend a good amount of time like a week or a month in streaming mode in the middle of development cycles where i would otherwise be in downloading mode you know just just to make sure i'm getting a really good idea of like these vastly different modes that my app can be in so that my own testing is more effective anyway we we're sponsored this week by pingdom pingdom can help remove the need for you to have somebody who automatically logs into your website every minute and refreshes it to make sure it's up because pingdom does that automatically with their testing framework uh see for yourself at pingdom.com slash radar pingdom is an awesome monitoring service for websites and web services and when you use offer code radar at checkout you get a holiday special of 50 percent off your first invoice Uh, This is an awesome deal. Usually 20%. Now it's 50% for the holidays. So check it out at pingdom.com slash radar. Pingdom offers powerful, easy to use monitoring tools and services for your website and web servers. Uh, Websites are very sophisticated these days. And you need to you know, there's all sorts of things that can go wrong. And they know this, they see it because they monitor it for lots of people. Uh, You need Pingdom to be monitoring your site. They can monitor as, as often as every minute by requesting pages, by running through checkouts, by logging in, by doing you know transactions. Like They can do all sorts of things, all simulated from their more than 70 global test servers. And they can do that as often as, as once a minute. And if anything goes down, they can alert you via so many different means, whatever you want. You can have email, text, push notification, or all, any, co- any combination of these things. And you can set the granularity. It's incredibly customizable. I've been using Pingdom now for oh, geez, I think eight years, nine years, something crazy. It's a very long time uh, because i use used it way before they were a sponsor, way before I was even a podcaster. Uh, I was using Pingdom to monitor Tumblr back in the day. And and I just love them. I use them constantly. Highly recommended that you use Pingdom for your, all your monitoring needs. Uh, it is really the best. And if you run any kind of website or web service... The last thing you want is for strangers on Twitter to be telling you when your site is down when you didn't already know that. Like, you do not want to be learning that from Twitter. You want to know when your site is down. You want to be the first to know. And then you want to be able to go in and fix it before all the people on Twitter see it and start bugging you about it. And with Pingdom, you can because Pingdom will alert you the moment things go down with that up to one minute granularity. That's really incredible. And they are so fast and so reliable. I love Pingdom. Check them out yourself. Go to pingdom.com slash radar, you will get a 14-day free trial. And when you enter offer code radar at checkout, you will get a holiday special of 50% off your first invoice. Check it out today, and you'll be the first to know when your site is down. Thank you very much to Pingdom for sponsoring our show.
1: So I think for the last uh, part of the show, it seemed like something that may actually make sense for us to focus in on is a bit of the actual, like, the details of what this kind of user testing approach that we've just been talking about looks like Um, and for me what that usually means is so i get into this phase now where i'm doing this final level of testing and i'm just constantly trying to think of things to try i'm trying them out Uh, i'm using the app in different circumstances in different places like i'll be using it on different networks like hey i'm out on a cell network i'm at home Um, and so whenever i find an issue you know inevitably you'll find a bug you'll see something that you're like huh that's a little interesting um, the what I found is a very important thing is to have some kind of reliable way of collecting, um, all these little issues and bugs and problems. Uh, for me, usually that is I have, I'll have a, a list in OmniFocus, um, that I am just cl- adding uh, items to, and so anytime I see something, usually I'll uh, grab a screenshot of it, um, and if it's obvious, I'll just attach the screenshot, um, to the task in OmniFocus, or if not, I'll take it and run it through uh, what used to be an app that you made, Marco, uh, which used to be called Bugshot, what I think is now called Pinpoint, Mm -hmm. uh, which is a great little tool. We can have a link in the show notes to it, but it's just a little thing for just drawing arrows, basically, or circling things. Um, uh, It's great for screenshot, sort of, when you're like, huh, you know, there's this weird graphics glitch or something, and so you can mark it up, add it to a ticket, and then, you know, I go through all of like when I'm in the phase now, like this morning I sat down, I had the head a list of about five or six little bugs I've noticed yesterday. Um I went through and I'm just knocking them out. And it's kind of like this I work all the way down till I have no bugs and then I make a build and then I go through the process again. Um and you kind of just keep cycling through, collecting as you go. Um and for me that kind of this that kind of process of just keeping this running log, um, it seems to work well. It, I like doing it that way rather than kind of, you know, having like sitting down and just testing for hours never really works for me. I find that I get kind of bored or I start doing the same patterns over and over again. And so it's better. I think for me, I'd try and do it, spread it out throughout the day. And obviously if it's an application that you would use normally and naturally throughout the day, then this makes it easier. Um, Uh, But otherwise, you just kind of have to uh, sort of remind yourself to do it. And this is also a little bit tricky if you have an app that requires a certain amount of time for testing. Um, So, like, for example, I have a sleep tracker. Like, in order for it to really... Like, like, I cannot compress t- uh, beyond just running it on multiple devices um, the testing of that because it takes about eight hours to have eight hours of data collection. And, like, I have simulated stuff in the app for, you know, when I'm doing like debug testing that I can kind of like create a nice. Data and run my algorithms on it. Um, but for actual testing, you know, there's nothing you can really do other than wearing multiple watches, which is what I do. Like when I'm doing extensive sleep, you know, testing, like I'll have all my watches on my wrist during the night and I'm running it, you know, three or four times. But Um, You know, sort of in the same way I imagine for you with Overcast, like, there's a certain amount if you just have to play lots of audio, um, because if you don't, you're never going to find all the weird audio issues or glitches or problems. Um, But there's something that you
0: can really do to speed that up um, or
1: compress that testing.
0: Yeah, basically. I mean, I, like... uh, uh... I I just find ways to shove podcasts into more of my life, so so like you know like like I've used, and and also to test out things like syncing, you know like this my syncing engine took forever to to, to really figure. It out. I mean it took me almost a year uh, to really nail syncing. And one of the ways I started finally getting better at that was I started needing it more because I started using an iPad to play podcasts in the kitchen, and I use my iPhone to play them everywhere else. So I will I was very frequently switching between multiple devices that would use the sync back end and just by doing that myself by needing that myself for a few months i really fixed a ton of sync problems and got it to a pretty good place now and uh and so yeah i mean it really is just a matter of just you know again it's like if you only make apps that you will use a lot this becomes a lot easier uh if if you don't make apps that that use a lot this you know you're gonna have to find other ways to, to do this effectively uh but it really works out great for me. And, and I, I will again, once again, uh, go in briefly about beta testing also. And, and we pretty sure we did a whole episode on it. If not, we, we will, and we should, but, uh, I think we already did. <laughs> I don't know. We have so many episodes now I've kind of lost track, but, uh, I, I do rely a lot on beta testers uh, to to to, uh, to really do like a final a final check on the app. They they aren't my number they aren't my first testers. I am my first tester, and and I I will usually use changes to the app for weeks or even months before I give it to anybody else to test. Uh, just because I really want to make sure that I know have feel for it, make sure it's good, make sure it's the right choice, and then I will finally share it with testers like right before the public gets it. But uh, basically, beta testers can can help a little bit, uh, not a ton. Uh, but but a little bit. I will also add that uh the what you mentioned earlier about your workflow about taking taking screenshots and then adding arrows and then adding them to Omnifocus and, and things like that. There are, if you want to go off the deep end, there are lots of crazy tools and frameworks that automate that process to varying degrees and have all sorts of cool integrations. So like there are some like you know, like I made Bugshot Kit, uh which is basically shoved Bugshot into an app, and so you could do things like it will detect screenshots being taken. And then automatically bring up a a, a modal controller with the screenshot saying, here, mark this up and send it in to report a bug, you know, and you can you can give that to all your testers and you can use that yourself during your test process. And so you can basically have like easy or automated bug reporting uh, right right embedded into your app. Um, and there's again, there's lots of ways to do this. I'm, I'm not going to recommend any particular one because I haven't really looked. But they, there are many of these exist now, and you can you can really go off the deep end with like the the levels of integrations. <laughs> you can have it like post to Slack and then make an entry in your bug tracker, or, like all, all sorts of crazy things you can do now uh, if you really want to get into all that stuff. Uh, so the, the you know the options are pretty good for now for like tools and frameworks and things like that to automate like the the tedious stuff. But for the for the real, just using the app uh really just again just using it a lot yourself is a very very effective way to do it obviously yes i know automated things exist sorry casey again but uh just using your app yourself will show you so much and will tell you so much and we will tell we will show you things like you know this this workflow is kind of clunky or or this animation doesn't really look right or this i i really need this text to be lighter when it's really sunny outside or something like that like there's a large category of either problems or or good and bad design decisions for which just using it yourself is really the only way to know and, and really the only way to test. Um, and that isn't true for everything, obviously. Sorry again, Casey, but that's true for quite a lot that we do in our apps. Yeah, and I think with other the other thing I
1: would say with beta
0: testing, that's an important thing
1: to or another use for beta testing is the importance of not overly preparing your beta testers um, for what you know, for for the app. So in terms of trying to giving, giving them an experience that is similar to the experience that your App Store users are going to have. And so when they download the app and they're like, oh, what do I do? Or this is really confusing. Um, like some of the best feedback I get from beta testers is sort of accidental where they're not actually... They don't know it, but they're telling me something is fundamentally flawed or is really confusing, where they're asking a question that, like, implies a, mis- a fundamental misunderstanding about something. And that kind of feedback is always really good. And so I try, whenever I'm beta testing, to just almost, like, blindly send out the betas to people, where I'm not giving them too much preparation or, tell- or like, giving them step-by-step walkthroughs or details it's very much like as though you just downloaded this from the app store, you know maybe you've seen a screenshot or two, maybe you've had a high level discussion, but you're working it out um, just as you would as a regular user and that's a great test because uh, you know as the developer of the app, obviously I know how everything works, everything is intuitive to me because that's the way I made it, um, but it is often not the not the case for your users and so one of the best uses for beta testing isn't, you know, it's great when they find, you know, actual bugs and issues and problems. Um, but it's also, it's really useful for capturing those kind of like, it's like, if you're asking this question, you cl- I clearly have not communicated the purpose of this feature correctly. Um, or I've hidden it in a weird way. Or you think it should do something and it does the opposite. And those are the only thing that, that is almost ex- exclusively possible to find in beta testing because no matter how hard you try to kind of like reset your brain to what if I was a fresh user opening the application um, it's kind of impossible where you know like the current app I'm working on I have been working on it essentially every day for months at this point so I'm so in it that I just don't see it's like I'm, I'm so far into the woods that I have no idea that there is a forest like all I have is trees like it is <laughs> um deep down into it. I mean, and maybe when I come back to it in a couple of, in a, you know, like I'll put the app to the side for a little, little bit and I'll come back to it in maybe a month, maybe I'll, I will have that kind of fresh experience. Um, but until that time, the only way I can get that is with beta testing. And so it is definitely a valuable and important aspect of that.
0: All right. And uh, I guess we're going to see your new app pretty soon, right? Yeah. It should be hopefully
1: uh, launching next week. Um, so, it uh, should be kind of exciting, and I'm expect to. Well, I'm sure we'll talk about it on the show, how the launch went, and kind of some of the details of it um, as the app goes. But it is very exciting to get to this point. And I will say, as, you know, it's like talking to all the other independent developers out there, it's like, this, like, I just put in the work. Because there's definitely been times in this project where I was like, oh, gosh, what have I gotten myself into? Maybe I should just, like, can this project and move on. But there is hope. Eventually, you will get there. Eventually, you will ship.
0: Um, and it is delightful when you get there. Can't tell you a secret. To the audience. You can. I know what this is, and I've used it, and it's really good. So look forward to it. Anyway, thanks a lot for listening, everybody. We're out of time this week, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye.